Hi, I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson, and welcome to this episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Today, we're joined by Jason Comstock, our business partner uh, in the Loudmouth Project. And uh, this we this is the first episode of the new year, and there is so much to talk about. But I will I will say I, I am I breathe a sigh of relief that 2020 is in the rearview mirror. That's that's just what I'm going to start with. That. We're in the roaring 20s, people. Oh, man. We're That's in right. the roaring 20s. A new 20s. decade. It's a new decade. <laughs> All right. So uh, on this show, I want to start off with, um, so what, what are the things that we won't miss from last year going into this new year? And uh, I'm going to let, uh, let the ladies first. So Amy, what, what, what is it that about 2020 that you are glad to say good riddance? Oh, gosh, the list is long, but but the first thing I won't miss is this idea, uh, the debate about whether or not we can, uh, we, we have, that sports is important. I think um, one thing that became clear after we shut everything down last March and we canceled high school, actually canceled everything, there were no youth sports, there were no college sports, there were no pro sports. And I think over time we've learned that there's great value, especially to the people involved in them, the young people. But even to us who like to watch us fans, um, there's great value in um, in trying to figure out how to safely compete. Um, I think we still have a lot to learn from that. I read some studies that were sort of, you know, terrifying about some of the impacts of uh, COVID on athlete, young athletes. Um, but I but I think overall we learned the balance of uh, that that sports isn't it isn't just a peripheral part of our lives. It's sort of integral to who we are and how we cope with stress and tough stuff. Jace, what about you? You know, the thought that, uh, that I wrote down as I was thinking about that really is, is the election. And I realize we're, there's always an election going on somewhere, but, <laughs> but uh, this five um, o'clock somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- this year, I don't know this election. And, and I guess it's been going on for a couple of years. It just seemed so divisive. I mean, so much, you know, you're either on my side you're either for me or against me kind of a view. And, and so I'm kind of glad to see that has taken a back seat, at least on my social media feed a little bit. And hopefully in a few days, the, uh, the presidential election anyway will be finalized and we can actually, you know, kind of get back to work. You know, I'm going to, uh, this is not going to surprise a lot of people. I, I won't miss the president because the, I mean, obviously it's longer than 2020, but the, the, the upheaval that has happened, and, and to, this is kind of to Jason's point about divisiveness, you know, I, I still don't get the lure of, of, of Donald Trump. And people still love him. I still go around, there are still Trump 2020 flags flying around uh, here in, uh, in my neighborhood. And uh, on the, what, the places I go to, uh, I, I, see, I see those kinds of things. I, I have never understood it, but I, what, I have, uh, what has really kind of touched me and, and, and I should say hurt me the most is that he is just a bad person. And I know there are people who are going to hear that and just say that I'm a hater. And I, I, I can't really argue that other than I just, I don't know a more dishonest politician and I'm from Chicago. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, nobody in, in Chicago would be able to say, well, there's somebody more dishonest than that. Because this, I, I know dishonesty when I see it. I know dirty politicians. And by the way, they're all, most of them are Democrats. So this <laughs> is Chicago. not a partisan thing here. But this guy is is just he has been exasperating, and so I will be happy to go to what I've understood in uh, the um, 
our national politics to be not always of integrity, but at least it was something that uh, was at least seemingly a bit more logical and less angry, less uh, narcissistic and in and, and a way that, you know, somebody had the, the, the country's best interest at heart. Now, I don't think that, you know, the Mitch McConnells and Chuck Schumers and Nancy Pelosi's of the world are going to take us to the promised land. Uh, I, I, I do not. Mm -hmm. However, the guy that they had leading the, uh, the Republican Party for the last four years has done little, at least in my view, to, uh, to further uh, bring progress, politically speaking, to our, to our nation. And I, I, I will be happy to see that go on. So, so let me just uh, throw something out there. I, I think those are good things to miss. And I'm, I, I assume when you say you're going to miss, you won't miss the president. Uh, you won't miss him as president because I don't right. think Donald Correct. Trump. Right. He's not he's going not, away. No. He's not going away. But I won't miss and, his presidency. Sure. And I, I would say this. I'm actually grateful to Donald Trump for one thing. And that is that I think he dragged a lot of the, the lying and the, and the, and the cheating and the using politics to enrich yourself, I think he dragged it sort of front and center. And and I um, I know we've heard reports forever about you know issue, individual issues or or you know you know maybe investigations about certain groups of politicians here and there. But I don't think that we sort of had everyone's morals tested, both privately and publicly, like we did in the last four years. And so there are a lot of things about his. I don't think Donald Trump was necessarily the, the heart of the problem. I think he definitely capitalized on a situation. And, and I, I've looked back, I, I just read a really interesting piece about presidents going all the way back to Jimmy Carter. And I think the groundwork for what happened the last four years has, was laid long before Donald Trump came to power. And I think that one thing that we need to do in 2021 is a lot of soul searching about what do we really want from our elected officials? What do we expect and, and sort of where is that standard going to be? Because I see a lot of people who in some ways are worse than Donald Trump to me, who either just won or won re-election and they're mm -hmm. still there and this right. environment still exists. So as we go forward, I would just tell everybody to just be, be cautiously. You can be glad he's gone because there are a lot of things about him that were annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and but there are also a lot of people who espoused a lot of his, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, his, his thoughts and his desires for the country, honestly. And, well, uh, people and, use and those him, people are still here. And, and he used them and they're still there. Yeah. So, Jason, when you when you think about this and I, I know you didn't necessarily come up with this particular idea, but do you uh, do you see any positive that came out of that or, or are you just saying to yourself, good riddance? You know, uh, when I, so if I think about a positive, one of the things that was important to me going into, especially with the, as the election got closer and closer, is I wanted to make it very clear to my friends, and I'll use that term loosely because that really just means social media. I wanted to make sure everybody knew where I stood, that I am not uh, a racist, that I'm not misogynistic, and I wanted it to be clear. I didn't want there to be any question in anybody's mind. And so I guess the good thing for me that came out about it is that it, it forced me to say, okay, you need to have a voice. You need to speak up. You can't just sit idly by as a as a white guy and just let these things happen to your brothers and sisters around you. You know, I, I and I appreciate that a great deal because you know when we come in uh, to the next segment, I'm, we'll probably talk about some of that too. I, I I look at so much that happened in this past year, and not uh, and this is around the country, not just locally, 
uh, that uh, even politically speaking, uh, personally, I mean, it's, it's been a tumultuous year, no two ways about it. But I, I'm, I'm grateful, you know, in some ways, and I don't want to, uh, this, this isn't what I'm grateful for, but I'm just, uh, this is one of the things I'm grateful for, is that I did find out <laughs> uh, who my friends are. And that's, and, and by that I mean allies. So it's, it's, it's good to know that there are people who are on your side, despite the fact that sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel like that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what it is that we are grateful for and uh, the most important things for us and uh, kind of start off the new year with something that uh, is going to lead us in a positive direction going for the next you know, 12 months, hopefully, anyway. Uh, this is uh, a lot of my project's Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with Jason Comstock and with, uh, my, of course, my uh, co-host, Amy D. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson, and joining us today, our, our partner, Jason Comstock. And on the last segment, we talked about, you know, what it is we won't miss about uh, 2020. And by the way, I, can I bring up something? So I watched this Netflix uh, show last night. It's been, it's number three in the country, about uh, Goodbye 2020. And it's kind of this uh, parody uh, of, uh, of a news documentary story about things that happened during the year. And so they had a bunch of actors kind of portray you know, uh, news. Uh, Samuel Jackson was a news person. <laughs> uh, Hugh Grant was fantastic as his professor, of and, and talking about different things. And then they, uh, Leslie Jones was in it, and she was uh, another kind of a, a intellectual person talking about different things. It was very funny. So um, I'll I, have to check it out. It, it, it is it, definitely some of my favorites you just listed off there. So, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it was. I, I did that, that helped me get through the night because <laughs> as an old, per, a middle-aged person, it's not that easy to stay up to midnight anymore. And uh, I, I, that was able to help me get this. Okay, so Jace, I want to ask you, I'm going to start for you, with you. What are you grateful for uh, coming into 2021, uh, uh, leaving uh, last year? You know, um, I need you to speak up a little bit. You guys, you guys are really smart, and, I, and I'm a pretty, pretty simple person. So, you know, for me, it's really just, it's my job. I mean, as I look around what folks faced in 2020, I am just grateful that I have a job that um that when the pandemic hit um my boss said go work from home and i was able to do that my family was supportive of that and so i'm just really grateful that i have a job that i have continued throughout this crazy year to to get a paycheck and to be able to work and 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 you know keep myself busy which i know not everybody can say because of some of the the things that they have faced as a result amy amy what about you so I really struggled with this because I'm equally grateful for two things. And so I'm going to cheat and give two things, <laughs> you know. Well, I don't, I don't know that you had to get, just give one. I'm just, you know. Yeah, but, but I mean, to me, they were equally, um, I, I don't, I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine surviving the year without either one of them. And one of them is public health officials. Hmm. I don't often get choked up about, uh, like, medical stuff, right? But, um I feel like they were very courageous in a lot of cases. People were run out of office. They resigned. Uh, there was uh, unbelievable controversy and public outcry. And these are people who are just trying to do their jobs, just trying to give the people in their communities um, good, solid health information to keep them safe. And they took... Uh, 
I don't know. They they became a bit uh, a folk hero, but they also became pretty villainous to some of the people who were opposed to the public health measures. Mm -hmm. And I think I hadn't given a lot of thought to the people who go out and try to talk to uh, communities about the value of vaccinations or of uh, you know regular uh, health care and trying to bring some form of a healthcare safety net to people, to communities. And, and I've thought about it a lot. I've talked to these people. I followed them around to the Navajo Nation. Um, and I'm just blown away by their selfless service. So that was one. And then the second one was uh, artists. I mean, I had real trouble creating this year. I'm not going to lie. It was a challenge to stay motivated on most of my creative projects. And I failed miserably many months. But uh, other people's... Um, ability to take their broken hearts and make art as Meryl mm -hmm. Streep once said um, uh, it was it was life-sustaining for me it was inspiring and it really um, made me understand how uh, really beautiful things can come out of something really broken and awful you know after George Floyd happened I found out this kind of goes back to what I thought about allies I didn't realize the world cared and that was, when you say, uh, Amy, life-affirming, that was life-affirming to me. Because, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those people where I'm, I'm from an age where when I was young, we cared about history. So you kind of followed it and understood what civil rights was. It wasn't just slavery. I mean, I, I've, I've known about America's, obviously, with slavery and all that stuff. But just watching it progress and, and seeing the good and the bad that has uh, been part of our country's fabric, you know, since its beginning. So when I, one of the things that has always troubled me is the silence of people who otherwise would be considered good people. They do nothing because they, they don't, it doesn't, they don't have the empathy gene yet. <laughs> they, they have sympathy, you know, but they, uh, so they can, they feel bad that you fell in the hole, but they're not ready to climb, climb down in there and help you get out. But this year I saw people, not just in America, not just uh, where I live, everywhere, say, you know what, we got to help you get out. And they, they saw and this, Rodney King was violence back in the 90s, and I remember, you know, how upset and enraged people were. And, and then the, uh, a lot of people, particularly white people, who had never believed that this kind of stuff was going on, when they saw that, it opened their eyes. Well, you know, flash forward 20 plus years, almost 30, is um, now they see it again. And it's worse, because before they just beat the guy to crap. Uh, but this, this, this one, they saw evil. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that has given me some, uh, some, uh, some hope, some, something to grasp onto to believe that there can be further change. I hate that it took you know, someone who didn't deserve to have their life snuffed out and they had their last breath calling for their mother because uh, you know, somebody just didn't care about their humanity. It's, it's good to know that there are people who are out there ready to help you. Now we just got to keep that momentum going because I believe just as, you know, there's not protests in every street and all the streets anymore. That has to be at the top of people's minds if we want to actually affect the change that uh, we believe will, you know, kind of make things better. Jason, yeah. do you do you think that the that the pandemic aided in that? And the reason I ask is uh, I'm not sure I would have known the name of George Floyd. I mean, I would have heard about it in the news. But because I was home, suddenly there was this instant conversation. And then suddenly Breonna Taylor and, mm -hmm. and all of these individuals, you just realize, 
and, and maybe, and I don't know if it's a pandemic or maybe it was just me, that empathy you're talking about, but for the first time saying, well, wait a minute. I'm sure for you, it, it, it's always too much. But for me, <laughs> for the first time, it was like, holy cow, this, this is too much. We have to solve this problem. And I, and I would say, Jason, that the pandemic helped. But I, again, I'm going to go back to Rodney King for a second. That happened in the 90s. I want to say like 91, 92. You know, the world saw that too. But, and in America, it really caused an upheaval, right? And uh, it, it spawned the L.A. riots back then. So I would say to you that the pandemic probably magnified it, even though once this came out, there would have been, you know, a pretty good percentage of, of, of the outrage that we saw. I don't know that it would have been around the world. And because, again, that, that's when people in Tunisia and Turkey and, and you know, places yeah. that don't, I didn't even know. I mean, that they even cared about black people. Australia. Right. You, had, you know, this, you is, had, you this know. is around the world. People people like, OK, uh, that's some crazy stuff we just saw there. I almost used the, uh, the other word I was thinking of, <laughs> you know, they, they raise their eyes and say, this is crazy. And so when, when, when the world says you're crazy. You can't say that, oh, it's just a few, you know, the colored folks are just upset about something they saw. No, no this, this is beyond that. Mm-hmm. So something has to, needs to be done, and it's just incumbent upon us to keep, uh, keep the fight moving so that we can actually uh, affect the change that we believe that's going to make life better for everybody. I mean, I think seeing protests sustained for months um, in, in, a, in, in largely predominantly white communities, mm-hmm. for me, was an indicator, like at first you thought this was just another, you know, the Ferguson um, protests, yes, you know, there, which which gave rise to the Black Lives Matter absolutely. movement, right? It created. And so, yeah, and so I just thought, okay, well, we'll see what happens. You and I were out there that first night, Jason, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you were at City Hall and I was at the Capitol, and I just remember thinking, this feels different, and I think it's a convergence of four years of policies that were imbued with racism, and um, I think it was us being so connected on social media because we were stuck in our houses or, you know, uh, people didn't have jobs. Uh, you couldn't socialize. You could, the, they were telling you couldn't, you couldn't go to the gym at the time. You couldn't. So the release was a, a kind of a convergence, I think, of a lot of things. But I think the reason it sustained is because people tapped into, like, when you finally really know something in your soul, in your heart, it changes you. Yeah. And that's what I saw. I mean, I think for me, the most moving and telling protest was the family march I went to out in Harriman, where it was all families marching through this really idyllic neighborhood um, with a smattering of black people, but mostly white people, um, just kind of like, you know, we're here and we just want to show you we love you. and. Like you say, I'm climbing down into the hole and I'm going to help you. And I just don't think I had seen anything like that um, here, where people cared about something that didn't touch them directly. So when we come back, I want to uh, move on to a little bit, something uh, tied to this. What did we learn uh, <laughs> in, in, in 2020 and how are we going to use that to help, uh, you know? I did not learn to make bread. Let's just preview that. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll find out what you mean by that. Uh, I'm Jason Lee, along with Jason Comstock and Amy Donaldson. You're listening to The Voices of Reason. We 
We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson and Jason Comstock. Uh, in this last segment, we talked about what we're grateful for, and I, this always, always, I feel like we've set this up, obviously, to kind of move one thing into the next. And so now we're going to talk about something we learned. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to start this one off only because I just want to switch it around a little bit. Mm-hmm. In that, what I learned is there are people who care that I didn't know who cared, but there are also <laughs> a lot of people, almost as many, that still don't care. And by that I mean about uh, injustice. They don't care about uh, inequity. They don't care about discrimination. They feel like status quo serves them and they would just as well see it go, life go on the way it has gone on for, uh, for generations and decades before. And so it is, I, w- I was awakened in 2016 when Donald Trump got elected. And I have been considering what happened uh, this year, you know, in, in terms of uh, social justice. I am very well aware now that there are people who are, are not with me. <laughs> and they still see me as the other. And they see my, they, they, they espouse things that would make my life appreciably worse. And so I don't, I don't know if they recognize it, but more importantly, when I, when I speak up against it, I find that they push back as if somehow I'm the problem. And so that, that is, it is, uh, again, it's eye-opening. It's, it's a little, dis- it's quite a bit uh, disappointing, not necessarily disconcerting because I'm ready to fight them. But I just know that uh, not everybody's with you. There are still people out there. There's a lot of work to do. And I don't know how you change hearts and minds uh, if you can't do it with, with, with video <laughs> evidence. But uh, you just got to keep plugging at it. And, you know, I got, I, hopefully I have some more breaths left to give because uh, until I take my last one, I'm going to be doing whatever I can to help. Uh, Amy? Okay, I learned that facts do not persuade people. <laughs> they do not. I learned, I, I guess I always thought that, no, if you just show people the evidence, if you just show people, you know, look at this study that BYU at the beginning of the pandemic, some BYU professors got together and they examined 25 studies on what, on the effect, uh, effectiveness of wearing a mask, right? On stopping disease spread. And they basically concluded that masks were significantly helpful. Do they stop disease in its tracks? No. Do they, is it a bulletproof vest? No. It is a tool to limit the spread of disease. And they came out with this very reasoned, they list, they showed their homework. And I was very persuaded. I thought this is really a great service that they've done. And I shared that with some people who are, you know, doubting well, Fauci said we don't need masks, and now he says we do need masks, and they got stuck on that, and they're still stuck on that. Um, and when he said we did that because we didn't want normal people to go out and buy all the PPE, we didn't have enough. Um, they also didn't know much about the virus. They weren't sure, was it a contact, was it airborne? They didn't really know. They were still learning. So those explanations don't satisfy people. And, and I think I just look across the board at um, all the problems we, we look at, tax cuts, uh, you know, giving people uh, uh, some stimulus money, um, help to businesses, er- you name it. When you look, sit down and you look at facts, um, there are people who will examine them and be persuaded by them, but I'd say the vast majority of people think, vote, and live, make decisions with their hearts. They don't want to hear the facts. They want to hear something that makes them feel safe or good or whatever. So Jason, what about you? 
Well, just to just to quickly add to what Amy asked, it was interesting to to learn that people will choose um, politics over their faith. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think we saw that lots of times, especially here in Utah, when we received an order from you know the governor to wear a mask, and then um, local church officials to the for the LDS church said, "Hey, guys, you should wear a mask." People questioned their. Um, their authority and whether or not they, you know, were really They called. questioned whether or not they said that. They were like, that's yeah. not what they said. And I'm like, they yeah. said wearing a mask shows love for your neighbor. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean you have to wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess so that, not. If that, you don't want to love your neighbor. If you don't love your neighbor, you go right ahead. <laughs> that, that, that part, that was interesting to learn. I think the other thing that I learned um, was that, is that I have some really good friends that if I go to them in sincerity and say, hey, I don't understand this George Floyd thing or I don't understand this mask issue or I don't, they will sincerely try to help me understand um, and educate me and not shame me for not understanding, maybe being a little slow to, to get to the party. Um, and so I'm really, you know, very grateful for that. I also learned that I can do hard things like wearing a mask or social <laughs> distancing or, or not going to the store just to wander, which I'm very grateful for, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, if you need something, you go and you get it and you get out. You don't, you don't spend your time dawdling to try to help prevent this, this disease from getting any worse. So, you know, I, uh, look, I, I, as I look about these things and you say, uh, you, I'm always amazed at the, 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 the people, like you say, Amy, facts don't uh, persuade them. I used to, I, when I first watched that transpire, when I realized that people are just not going to, you know, no matter what you tell them, they're just going to ignore it, despite the fact that they have no proof otherwise. Uh, and I, it shows me that people are just, they, they don't think logically. I guess I thought logic, in the end, facts rule the day. I now know that that is just totally not true at all. Yeah, I And that's think, disconcerting, by the way. I think I started having this thought when I read the book, The Case Against Sugar, a few years ago, and it lays out a really clear correlation between a bunch of different diseases. It also shows how um, our government has allowed everybody from cigarette makers to food processors in the 70s to add sugar and I mean, they subsidized the sugar industry for over 50 years. Um, so you couldn't not make money in the sugar industry. There's so sugar learned, and ketchup. That's all I know. I can't, I learned I can't all, even believe that. I learned all of this about sugar, and I'm thinking to myself, this book is out there. Anyone can read it. Why do we? Why are we still going to be the fattest nation on the planet? <laughs> because sugar lobby is big. <laughs> and not just that, but it's addictive, right? Right. But so is hate, and so is, you know... Um, Having these, the, the, you know, pretending you're a patriot because you're standing up for th freedom by not wearing a mask. It makes you feel good about yourself. Right. But you're not a patriot if you don't wear a mask. You're a dummy, you know? <laughs> and you and really more are. You're, you're a selfish dummy at that, you know? That's, yeah. yeah. You're, you're ignoring science. You're ignoring, like you say, faith leaders. You're ignoring just it, like a basic common decency and you're saying that it's because it infringes on your freedom. And yet you'll take the freedom of a business owner to say they don't want to serve people without a mask and spit in their face. My kid had a drink thrown on her uh, because she asked someone to wear a mask. She works in a 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. And I, I, 
she's a high risk person trying to work during the pandemic. And I mean, I am daily appalled at how people think that their selfish desire not to wear a mask yep. is justified by our constitution. I'm just blown away. I will say this one time, I had a, a meeting with a friend of mine uh, uh, a while ago and she has a at-risk parent. So when we were talking, we were sitting outside. So my thing was at the time it was hot and I didn't want to wear a mask. So I'm like, okay, I'll make sure I'm gonna stay six feet away from you. But she wanted me to wear this mask. I'm like, well, I, I'm way over here. I am not trying to put you at risk, but I, I'd prefer not to have to do that. And that's why I'm making sure we have this distance between us. Now, I mean, I, I understand what she was coming from. I, I didn't want to be the person that would be a conduit to potentially getting her sick. But I also think that there was some uh, compromise to be made there so that we could both have what we wanted. <laughs> but, you know, us, if, if I were in a closed space, I, I could only, to, to be uh, considerate of her and, and her situation, I could only have put that mask on. And I have more masks everywhere in every pocket i have in a coat <laughs> in my car in my bag i, yeah. I am the mask king now of, and, and by the way uh I, I i remember when we first started i have a, a black lives matter mask that i wear from time to time I, i'm surprised that there aren't more political statements on masks most of the time they're just plain old masks i'm, I'm i've just mm -hmm. i just remember that when we come back we're going to talk about what what, what we ha what hope we have for the coming new year and uh there is some of that out there as well I'm Jason Lee, uh, along with Amy Donaldson and Jason Comstock. This is Voices of Reason. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson and Jason Comstock. And uh, on this last segment, I wanted to ask you guys what... Um, what do you hope, what is your hope for this new year? And I'm going to start with Amy because, uh, you know, we, as we, we've been talking, you've kind of mentioned some of the ideas, that, the things you've learned and, and some of the things that have kind of disappointed you. Do you have hope for this year that things can be better? I do, and um, my hope is that we all learn to have more empathy. You referenced it at the very start of this by talking about people had sympathy they felt sorry for people, but sympathy is imbued with judgment, right? Like you deserve, you think people deserve your sympathy or they don't deserve your sympathy. But empathy means you just try to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. You acknowledge that you're not ever gonna be able to t truly understand what they're going through, but you're willing to sit with them and cry with them and hurt for them and also fight for justice with them. And so I, I also think that we need, I've tried having empathy, even for, like we talked in the last segment about people who don't wear masks. I've talked at length with them, I, with people who don't want to wear masks and tried to have sympathy for this idea that they really feel like they can't do it. And I just um, think that when we do that, we, we treat each other better. We don't see each other as a, a political affiliation or a political position or even, you know, just the neighbor who's sort of grouchy, like, why are they grouchy? I mean, I, I just hope that 2020 brings more empathy. I think we have elected an empathetic leader. He's a guy who's shown empathy on the campaign trail. I was not a fan of Joe Biden, still not completely persuaded to a lot of his policies. But I will say this, the man shows empathy like no politician I have witnessed in my lifetime. Um, so that's my hope for 2020. That's what I'm sort of going to try to do and be. And I hope we all just sort of try 
when you see something that upsets us or angers us or frustrates us, that we say, why is that person cutting me off in line? Why won't that person wear a mask? Why does this person feel attacked by public policy? And try to understand where they're coming from. Jace? So as I as I've thought about this, um, you know, I thought about a lot of you know things. What do I hope for twenty twenty one? World peace would be awesome, right? Right. Um, you know, I think coming out of this, and I want to be careful saying that because we're not out of the pandemic. We're just out of the the year twenty twenty. But but hopefully, as the vaccine gets out there, and you know, we will end the year better than where we started. My hope is that is that we will again to go to Amy's point have greater respect for a lot of our public health officials, but also a better understanding of of the impact of this of this pandemic you know the mental health impact for example people that are isolated that shouldn't be isolated as a veteran you know one of the struggles that i faced was was wanting to isolate myself well now the world is telling me to isolate myself mm-hmm. and i'm okay with that uh, but at some point you have to figure out okay how do i get out of this and not get stuck in that you know that hole and so my hope is that is that is that people, as we get to come out of our houses, as this pandemic gets resolved, or we get better at, at understanding it, that, that we'll continue that, to, to Amy's point, that empathy to helping people that, that might still be stuck, that, that might need a way to get out of their homes and might need a way to, to get up and move or what, you know, whatever that is. Because I think one of the things that we haven't talked about uh, as a society really very much really is the mental health impact of this, mm-hmm. of this pandemic and, and 2020. You know, I I will say that I do have hope. I, otherwise, I think I'd be dead, right? But I will, I will. My hope is always tempered with the practical reality that in, in the half half century plus that I've been alive, things have only changed so much. And uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Rodney King earlier. You know, we're, we're having a lot of the same discussions today that we did 30 years ago, and to me, that's distressing. But it also means that uh, and, and and actually, we're, it's it's distressing in the sense that the before we saw a guy get beat to hell, now we see a guy get killed. So it's in that way it's gotten worse. So, but I've also seen the reaction be even stronger uh, in in favor of seeing a, a change. So I'm hoping that that is a hope to me. I'm, I'm sorry that it had to get worse before it got better, but I'm hoping that in 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 seeing some progression, that this may be. Uh, instead of taking it two steps back, it's going to be four steps forward instead of just, you know, three. So I, I, I feel like there is something positive to, uh, you know, t- to be gained from the experiences we've had in the past year. And again, I, I'm, I'm just, I just need to know, at least that's what uh, keeps me going, that there is a, a movement out there to see progress. And I, I don't mean uh, just symbolically, I mean for real. Like things yeah. have to change, you know. I, I, I hate the, the the idea of defund police because I know that that sounds terrible. But what I would like to see is uh, a better way to provide law enforcement and a better way to deal with the mental health problems that exist in our society in general and oftentimes manifest themselves in what we see as criminal behavior. When that's well, I, that's really yeah. a, a call for help. Yeah, and I I hope that starts with getting everybody access to health care, not insurance. Right. Health care. People need to be able to get mental health treatment, and a lot of people with insurance don't have access to mental health services. And that's important because it, yeah. if, if we want to see change, we need them to be able to access that. Yeah. yeah. 
So well, we, we need better safety nets, right? Uh, one of the things we've all done during this pandemic is spend some time on the street with homeless uh, individuals. And I would say that um, it's not enough to just serve them or, or, you know, feed them here and there or offer them whatever comfort you can in the moment. I think we have to ask for better policies. We have to ask our politicians to solve that problem. It is not solved by more shelters. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to look for real solutions. The, the, the protests in the streets now have to lead to activism in our politics. Right. Why is it that in, in now 2021 we live in a society and, you know, what, what some would argue is, you know, one of the greatest nations in the world that when I go for a jog, I see a, a homeless guy sleeping under a bridge. Why is that still okay? So I guess that would be, you know, to add to what Amy said, that my hope is that is that we can make real progress to solving some of these some of these major issues that that have continued that, that have been decades long issues. Yeah. But we we have we have this is what you know when people say uh, America is great. I, I always have those questions because you could kind of uh, yeah have you an and I've debated that. it many times. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would suggest though that we have the capacity to be great. We also have the capacity to do great. Things which I don't what what I feel is more of what America has always done. It has done a lot of great things, but it's also been uh, you know party to some of the worst atrocities that you've ever seen. So I, I I balance those two things. We have the capacity to create the environment that you guys have just talked about to to further mental health uh, awareness and uh, and accessibility to people who need it because that will help our, the soul of our country, right? Yeah. And and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve the soul of our nation. And I feel like that's something we can uh, we can not just grasp onto. We can we can actually there's actionable policies and strategies to get us to where we need to go. I, I hope that we pay attention. I hope that um, if we've learned anything, especially this last year, it's to it's to read more, to understand the things that don't impact us and care about them. Don't hope just to hope like oh, I hope they, these people that we elect to do the right thing and I'm going to go on with my life like stay engaged stay involved check them and and keep keep track of what's happening don't go on autopilot because your political party won or lost or whatever I say stay engaged I hope that that's one of the things we take forward good bad and ugly I think that's a good thing Excellent. Listen, thanks you both for being here. Join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at bormed at gmail.com or at borjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at Podcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast in all the places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson and Jason Comstock. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.